There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game. Fortunate enough to meet some of the great legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell us some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today, we're talking to a two-time Stanley Cup champion who was drafted by the Bruins in 85, played 15 seasons in the NHL with five different teams, won the Canada Cup, won a world championship. He's the only player in history to win the Conn Smythe and the MVP at the Canada Cup and the World Championship. Now he's a goalie coach with the LA Kings. Pleased to welcome to the show, Bill Ranford. Bill, welcome to the show, my friend. Great to chat with you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a while. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. It's always interesting because week after week I get a chance to talk to guys. I actually had one of your bosses, Luke Robitaille, on a show a few weeks ago. And, and I always kind of wonder... You had such a great career. You had so much success. Why not just go somewhere and golf and relax and chill out and take it easy rather than continue to face the stress of the game of hockey? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And um, You know, I really didn't see me going in that direction when I retired. I thought it'd be at home and and just get involved in uh, our little community in New Westminster, British Columbia. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, I started with um, Coquitlam Express uh, as a part owner there with uh, Kirk McLean and Darcy Rhoda and Dave Lowry and, and you know, kind of got a little bit of the bug there. But it wasn't until uh, Dean Chanelth called me. He was working for Seattle at the time and and asked if I'd uh, come in and work with his goalies a little bit. And, and that's kind of how it kind of got rolling there where uh, I started to learn, you know, how to how to coach and you know, Dean was a Hockey Canada guy, and, you know, I learned a little bit from that aspect of things. And then, obviously, the next year I, I uh, joined uh, the, the Vancouver Giants and, and Don Hay, and and John uh, Don was just, you know, a wealth of, of knowledge. So just picked away there for a couple of years, and then I got the phone call from L.A., and it's kind of been, you know, 18 years later um, you know, with, with the L.A. Kings organization. So it's it's been a crazy ride but uh you know you got to pay the bills so um what better way to do it than stay in hockey can you believe that the difference i mean i'm sure as a former goalie in the nhl you appreciate the difference but can you believe the difference of the help that kids are now getting coming into the league and even veteran goalies i mean you spent some time working with jonathan quick trying to get his game back on track and it clearly worked out uh for him but can you believe the contrast and the kind of help the goalies are getting today that you're able to provide versus what you got during your playing days? Yeah, I think I had my first um, 
you know, kind of full-time goalie coach uh, year 13 when I was in, in Washington. So yeah, it's, it's completely changed. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to it. Um, I think there's certain times and, and one of the things I try to do, you know, uh, over my time here in LA was every once in a while, just step back and, and let the goalies just do their own thing and, and, uh, and stay away. You know, I, I, kind of have my mindset that I'm just not going to talk to them today. Just let them figure it out themselves. Cause I think that's one of the things that in our time, we, we relied on our partner that, that our partner was our goalie coach and, and you had to kind of figure things out on your own, but I'll tell you what, I, I, I know there's a lot of different times in my career where I wish I had a goalie coach to talk to, to try and figure things out another set of eyes. Um, and I think that's the, the best thing that, that, um, you know, that the goalie coach can bring is just that other set of eyes to help you out. And there's days uh, when, when things are going well, anybody can play goal, but it's when things don't go well that you need that guy to kind of lean on for ideas. And, and I think that's what uh, kids are now having at a a way younger age. It's crazy, but um, you know, the, the, the position has really evolved and, and uh, you know, the, the, the goalies were really ahead of the curve and now you're starting to see it with the uh, individual coaching for for the players now, where they're they're catching up, and it's uh, that's what's created this crazy talented league. Yeah, and, and the other part of it too is not just coaching when you're in the league. The, the whole transition of of coming out of college or you you know major junior hockey that as a goalie because you're kind of on your own. When you're when you're a player, you're surrounded by more guys who are doing the same thing that you're doing, like you got drafted by the Bruins and, and you join the Boston Bruins and you transition into that role. And it was kind of a brief stint in Boston and you spent a little bit of time in the minors. What's that transition like as a young guy, when you're trying to come into the NHL and there's really nobody around to help you because nobody, not that no people don't want to help you, but people don't know what to say to a young goalie. Do you leave the guy alone? Do you work with them? Do you try to fix? I mean, you must have, that, that must've been quite the experience for you transitioning to the league. Well, number one, you go from, you know, either billeting or living at home. And and I was obviously billeting in New Westminster to living on your own, to paying your own bills, cooking your own food. And then you got to stop the hockey puck. Uh, at some point and you know it's it's uh it, it is a crazy transition in your life and yeah there's the ups and downs that go with it um nobody to talk to a lot of times you know in boston i was living with two other guys uh on the team and we're all young guys and trying to to you know carve our path into into the nhl and it, it's it's crazy when i think about it. I, I don't even really remember my first year pro. It was just a blur. I think it, you're just playing on adrenaline every night, and it, it was the, a blur. And I, I look back, and the fact that I got sent to the minors to start my second year was probably the best thing that happened to me because I could go Easy down. Easy to say now, but not then. Yeah, no, not then. That back then, I when it happened, I, um, I was uh, heartbroken and stuff, but. I, I was one thing that w- one thing that happened to me and uh, um, Maxi Offenberger was a gentleman that uh, from Boston that uh, worked in the 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 Western Hockey League. And I think he did all the, the CHL leagues where he did like a, a drug awareness, uh, drug and alcohol program for the leagues. And I got to know him just a little bit from my three years junior. And he happened to be in, in town because he worked for the Flames at the time. 
And he met me on the stairs in, in Maine. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He said, I'm sure you're heartbroken and you're disappointed, but I'm going to tell you one thing. And that, that time there's 21 teams in the league. He says, there's 20 other teams watching. Don't mess it up. And it was just the greatest advice I got, you know, cause I thought, you know, the Bruins didn't care about me anymore. You know, you got, you get those things and, and you know, they do. And, but I just was, I was given the opportunity just to go down there and play and actually learn how to play the game properly instead of just playing on a, uh, adrenaline the whole night. So it's a valuable lesson. And it's a story that I get to tell now because, uh, you know, I've got guys get, you know, getting called up, sent down all the time. And, and I, I get to tell them that story because it, it, it was a big part of my career. I know but your story was crazy, Billy. Cause now, now you get dealt with the Boston Bruins. And you're like, okay, maybe there's another team out there that wants me. And the team that ends up wanting you is the Edmonton Oilers in the midst of a freaking dynasty. Yeah. So now this team, and they've got Grant Fuhrer, who we've had on this show before, told some great stories about that. What is that like when you hear, I'm, I'm going, sorry, what? I'm going where? And and I'm joining who? Like you're stepping into you're you're stepping out of the pan right into the fire what was that like for you to hear that well i think you know initially i was like okay i'm the goal i'm the goalie of the future for boston at some point i'm going to get a chance to play a lot and then i'm going to edmonton and they've got grant fear i don't know if i'll ever play you know so um but then the fact that i'm going back to alberta my parents live in red deer uh back on the you know basically the west coast i'm like this this could be fun and obviously living in red deer for a couple of years you're you're used to watching the oilers and my first practice i'm uh daryl ray is still there and that's that's the it was a unfortunate situation for him because he was the one going down so there was three goalies the first day and I'm just kind of standing on the boards and Teddy Green comes up to me and he's like, don't worry about what's happening today. Um, you know, just I'll let you know, Daryl's going to be sent down after practice. So just hang out here, try and get to know the guys. And, but I'm watching, I'm, I'm, you know, they're Wayne Gretzky skates by Glenn Anderson, Yuri Kerr. You go down the list, Kevin Lowe, Randy Gregg, you, you just go down the list and I'm just like kind of in awe. And then, then you got to kind of, check your hat a little bit and say, um, these are my teammates and I, I got a job to do here. So um, the first day was a little overwhelming, but just uh, a, a great group of guys. And, and um, yeah, the, the, the organization treated me very, very well there. And I, I've, I've got nothing but great memories from that city. And just for another clarification, this is an era uh, in the late eighties where there's no such thing as platooning. You have your number one goalie. And if your number one goal, he's puking his guts out, he still has to play. If he's missing a limb, there's probably he's probably going to play, especially with the Grand Fuhrer, who never wanted to give up the net. So at that point, you got to understand, he, like, you know, I'm a spectator here. Is that how you were feeling? Like, it's not like you're challenging for the job. Yeah, no. Yeah, but the thing that was interesting was I think he had played so much hockey at that point. Um, I think we split the games uh, or near split down the stretch. Um, so that at least gave me a little bit a bit of experience with that group. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to, you know, not only win my first cup, but go through that uh, experience of what it takes, the ups and downs from round to round. You, you, you have to learn. Like I, I, I'd love to say it's, it's easy, 
Um, but it really set me up, um, you know, for my opportunity that I was fortunate to get uh, two years later. So yeah, was- I want to ask about that. What was that like? Like in, when you won your first Stanley Cup, you didn't get a chance to play much, obviously, because you're playing behind Grant Fuhrer, who was the yeah. legend, ultimate hockey Hall of Famer. What was it like, though, to be a part of that? I mean, you won a cup, so that's freaking awesome. But what was it like at, at a personal level for you to learn from that experience to see what it actually took Grant Fuhrer on a day-to-day basis to do what he did and the guys around you to accomplish what they accomplished? Yeah, it was it was huge for for that next time around because um, you know you you would understand and you know and obviously we lost the next year and you just you just learn about the ups and downs of from game to game from within the series from round to round. Um, probably the biggest thing that I learned is um, and it's unfortunate. There's a lot of guys that don't don't get the opportunity to go through it. Yeah. But until you played in a final, you have no idea. Like the, the the games get get intensified by round. The first round is usually the craziest because that's where the upsets happen and stuff. And it's just everybody's trying to get their footing. But once you get second and third, especially the third round, third round, everybody's humming. Everybody's on their game. You're you're down to the final four. Everybody's good. They're feeling good about themselves. There and, and then obviously you get to the, the 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 final and there's nothing like it. Um you're battling through injuries, you're battling through, you know, just having the energy to play game to game. And back then, um it was every second night. There was no we're waiting for TV. It's it's just yeah. you finish you you like we finish in Chicago. You're flying right to right to Boston, and and two days later you're starting the final. There's no four or five day breaks to recover, get all the the media stuff done, get all the TV stuff done, and then start the series. No, we we popped right into it. You're you're going, and and so it was every second night, um, and so it was just it was a battle, and um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be part of it a few times. So I I've I got no regrets as, as far as that goes. Not just fortunate enough, Billy. Like you're being humble. You were you were a big, a huge part of it. So you win your first cup as a backup to Grand Fear. That was in '88. Um, the next year, you guys lose. Now in 1990, in that season, the '89-'90 season, Fury's having some injury problems. You're playing a lot more. You become the guy. And now, I mean, my recollection of it is you played the best hockey of your entire career. You end up winning the Conn Smythe that year and the Stanley Cup. Obviously, dramatically different than winning your first cup. What was that experience like for you when you realized you were stopping looking in awe at the guys in the room? Suddenly, you were one of the guys that everybody was looking at and going, this guy's, this guy's leading us here. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the there's, there's certain things that happen. Obviously, um, you know, you, you have to have the support of your your teammates and your coaching staff and and people that watched back then know the story. Started off a little slow, uh, had a terrible first game uh, against Winnipeg, and then you know everybody's hitting the panic button. And you know, the, uh, a story that I probably a lot of people don't know about is um, John Muckler was the coach, and and we had Ronnie Lowe, Teddy Green, and stuff, and that were around and. They put in, well, one thing happened, which was probably the best thing that happened was uh, 
I faced the music uh, maybe after the game, they could easily pulled me out and maybe not available, but uh, I think they thought it was important that I faced the music. And then there's a point where Glenn Sather walked in and said, okay, he's had enough. And that was done. So I think that was important from a learning aspect for me. You don't play well, you face the music. And, and the next morning, um, they, the coaching staff put a little bit of a video montage together showing me making saves throughout the year and basically said, you're our guy. And wow. so just kind of my whole frame of mind just goes, okay, I'm getting crucified in the media right now that, you know, Grant fear is not there, blah, blah, blah. I got to get my crap together and, and, and figure this thing out. And, and I just, it, I made, I made it a, per, a personal that I'm going to prove everybody wrong that I can do this and just started picking away at the, at the Winnipeg series. And, and we find a way to come back and win, win that after being three down three games to one. And I think we were only at that time, I think we were the second or third team to ever come back from a three, one deficit. So you know, he just started building, and I think my confidence got got better. The team's confidence in me probably got better, and we just we then we became that 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 little tiny snowball because nobody expected us to win in '90. You know, we Wayne Gretzky was gone. We'd made some changes, but we still had the core, but nobody expected it. And then that little snowball just kept rolling and getting bigger and bigger. And and uh, yeah, it was it was a ride, crazy crazy ride, but so much fun. After that rough start for you and you turned it around and it clicked for you, in the end, you hoist the cup, which obviously there's no better feeling in the world. But but getting the con Smythe and knowing that this time you weren't just a part of it, but you were a central figure in I mean, that's what the con Smythe says, is that without you, they don't do this, which in all likelihood is true at that point. What was that like when they announced you as the con Smythe winner? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there was no social media or anything back there, back then. So you, you just, you, you didn't really know where, you know, I know, I, I knew I was playing well, but you, when your name gets announced, it was, I, I, I was, I was numb. I, I couldn't believe it. And and I think it, the, the thing that I always say about the con Smythe is you can't win it without the support of your teammates. You, you know, there's lots of guys that have to play well for you to get that opportunity to win it. And then on the flip side, I said, I always say is they can't take my name off it. And that's something that I'll never, ever forget. It's, it's on there. It's one of the most iconic trophies, um, in the world. And, uh, my name's on it and I'll, I'll, I'll be forever thankful to, um, you know, from my family on to everybody involved that, that I was given that opportunity. Amazing, man. You give me chills just talking about it. Uh, week after week, I talked to Stanley Cup champs. We've had uh, Trottier and, you know, um, Luke and all these guys on, on the air talking about what it's like to be a part of winning organizations and uh, it never gets old. What was yeah. it like the Bruins? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I, I was... I was a, a throw in for the trade in 88, you know, they, the, the big trade was for Jeff Cortnell and they wanted a young goalie. So just to be part of that trade and, and, and have the experience was huge. But by the time two years later, roll around, the trade was the Andy Moog for myself, even though that wasn't the case, but. Um, That's how we remember it. I got to tell you. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So the fact that both of my Stanley Cup wins, uh, the irony behind it, both my Stanley Cup wins were against the the Bruins was was pretty crazy. But uh, you know, I I the Bruins drafted me. Uh, forever grateful for that, and uh, the the city and and the organization were great to me. I was there twice. Love the city. Um, but you know what? Somebody has to lose, and, and it was unfortunate. It was my my some of my old teammates. Um, but, um, you know, just to, to go through it, uh, to have that opportunity to go through it a couple of times as a player is, uh, it's, you know, what every, uh, young Canadian kid dreamed of. And, and I was, I was able to do it. So it was pretty exciting. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24, seven pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Speaking of facing former teammates, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> he gets yes. dealt away. And as you mentioned, he was not a part of the 1990 Cup win. He was part of your previous win, which was spectacular to celebrate the Stanley Cup with Wayne Gretzky. What else could you freaking ask for? But um, October 15th, 1989, <laughs> and I see that smile come across your face. So um, I'm pretty sure you remember this night very clearly. For our audience, Billy. Listen, I talked about your cups. I got to talk about this. Yeah. Share the story for us on that night. You're obviously talking about when he set the record. <laughs> yes. Uh, so no, World Corey no, House points yeah, record. Yeah. You know, the, the part that was, uh, it didn't bother me that it happened against me. It has to happen against somebody. You know, the, the two, uh, the two of his biggest, um, accomplishments were against myself and Kirk McLean and everybody that that'll always go down into history. I think the frustrating part about that night was um, we were leading late in the game and it was hard because the crowd was cheering for, for Gretz to get the, get the record in the building. I think that was at the time, the toughest pill to swallow. The fact that we were in our own building and they were cheering for the LA Kings, the team that I now work for. <laughs> <laughs> but they um, wanted to see history, yeah, Billy. Who could yeah, blame exactly. them? And, and uh, I think that was probably the toughest aspect of it um, was that they weren't cheering for us uh, and we were in our own building. But, you know, it had to happen against uh, somebody. And, um, yeah, 
that that picture is is etched in in stone somewhere and and everybody gets to see it on a very regular basis but uh hey i was part of history again not a bad thing not a bad no thing kidding. he was a great player i mean he you know great person great player uh i was fortunate enough to be able to play with him and play against him and and um you know what he's the greatest and that's uh, for a reason it wasn't the only time that uh, you got to play with the greatest players, many Hall of Famers and best of all time. You represented Canada very successfully, and I'm sure very, very proudly. Give me your thoughts, your memories of the Canada Cup in 1991. Well, the biggest thing about the Canada Cup was I was very, very young. You know, a young player just kind of finding my way. Obviously, come off winning, winning the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, there was, uh, Grant wasn't able to go. Patrick wasn't able to go. So it was Belfour, myself and Sean Burke. And I was kind of the number three guy. And, um, you know, at the start, you were the number three guy. Yeah. When I started, I was the number three guy. Um, you know, Berkey had had, had the experience, with hockey Canada and then Eddie was coming off an unbelievable season. And obviously his, his head coach is, is our head coach in Mike Keenan. So I was, I was just uh, living the dream going through the experience. And, and we started off, I believe with 60 players at that camp. It was a month long training camp and Guys were getting picked off. I think we started off with six goalies because I think each t- we were three teams, two goalies each, and and guys were just starting dwindling and dwindling, and the numbers just get kept getting smaller and smaller. And my name wasn't crossed out. My name wasn't crossed out, and and uh, you know, down- do you not find that hilarious? You're a two-time Stanley Cup champion. You're the Conn Smythe winner, and you're like, I'm, I'm probably going to get cut here. Yeah, no, it's, it's that I just, you know, everybody knew Eddie Belfort was starting and, and uh, that's the way it was going to be. And it was between, you know, got to the point where it was between whether Sean and I were going to be sitting on the bench um, and the third guy would be the third guy. And yeah, it was crazy. And then uh, just kept picking away. And, and then all of a sudden the last kind of week and I would play game and I played well. And then, all of a sudden there's these rumblings that, you know, that I'm hearing from different, you know, people in the, in, on our staff that are like, you might, you might be starting. I'm like, that ain't happening. And, uh, Keenan came in the room, the, the exhibition was done and came in the room and told everybody that I was starting the first game. And, and, um, I didn't give it back. I just went right through and, and uh you know playing in your own country it was uh the economy was it it was crazy it was the 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 country was not in a good place and the hockey for whatever crazy reason was something for for the country to rally around and uh to be part of that was 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 nuts um to find a way to pick your country up over a crazy sport like hockey, but we, we were able to do that for, for, uh, you know, a two week period. And, and to be part of that was, was pretty amazing. Again, not just part of that, Mr. Humble, but you actually won the MVP. (laughs) Yeah. Gretz got hurt. (laughs) I think which helped a little bit on that one. No, I, I, 
um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I just, I got, I got into a groove um, and I was, I was, I was playing good hockey. We, we were playing like, it was the best in the world. Like the, the teams, you go back and look at those rosters. It's, it's crazy. It was hall of famers everywhere. And um, yeah, I just got on, I, I, I got to a point where basically they couldn't say no, they had to keep playing me. And, um, and I, I just, my, my game just got better and better as the, as the uh, tournament went along. And yeah, that's one of those things where you're, you just, you, you feel good about your game. You feel good about your teammates and, and, and uh, you get rolling and you win it. And yeah, it's all history now. Let me take you to the 1994 world hockey championships, Canada. This was back in previous to this. We weren't sending pro players. Now it's the NHL season ends as guys get knocked out of the playoffs and, you know, don't make the playoffs or first or second round eliminated. They get to go play at the worlds. That's one of the upsides of not going deep in the Stanley cup playoffs. But back then, we were always sending an amateur team, which kind of put Canada at a disadvantage because our best players were pros. It had been the Trail Smoke Eaters 30 years before that, the last time Canada wins gold. And you're on the 1994 World Championship team that wins the first gold in over 30 years. And again, you're named the tournament MVP. What was it a part, like to be a part of that? Again, winning a World Championship for Canada at a time where that just that was not something that was happening because of the situation. Yeah, no, I, I, I think um, you got to give our, our group of guys credit um, to finally turn that around. And I think Glenn Sather um, kind of was a big part of that also, because he started to kind of change the culture of how that tournament happened. It was a big fundraiser for Hockey Canada. That's where they it would drive their 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 next year. So the success there was important. But slats uh started to change where um started to bring the the wives or girlfriends or a personal friend over. You had that opportunity to bring somebody over and and he finally realized that it's you go through a grueling um you know, full season in NHL and then have to go over and play this tournament. There's this letdown, you know, you're disappointed you're not in the playoffs or you've just been knocked out of the first round and to get yourself, you know, riled up to, to play in a tournament. It just, it wasn't your dream is to win the Stanley cup, not the world championships. And so it just wasn't ingrained in us for that to be important. Whereas for a lot of the European teams, it was, their their pinnacle was this world championships so slats started to try and change it into a little bit more of a family thing and 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 i think that was a big part of of where things started to change and made it an experience a family experience players went over for the first half and then brought families over for the second half so i think that was a big part of 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 the turn and yeah we just uh once again, at that time, it was a very, very young team. But take a look at the names that were on that team, and and there's a there's just a boatload of of superstars that at that time weren't, and uh, we just found a way, and and uh, you know to to go through that, and then it to be a, a shootout was 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 incredible to to end it. 
Crazy, crazy. I mean, and we still talk about that, that that was the the world championship to end the drought. And you were obviously a centerpiece of that, which, you know, is amazing because we talk about, I've had, uh, you know, guys, members of the Triple Gold Club on this podcast before, guys who have won the Stanley Cup World Championship, World Junior, Olympic gold, like crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. But yeah. you're the only guy who's won the Conn Smythe MVP at the Canada Cup and MVP at the World Championship. What's that mean to you? Uh, it's a great trivia question that uh, Brendan Shanahan has won a lot of money with. <laughs> so Shanny should owe you a cut then, now, no? Shanny, Shanny has told me he's used that question a lot of people, and nobody gets the answer. It's always Gretzky, Lemieux, you know, uh, Korea. They they go through the list of names and stuff, and and my name never gets brought up. So it's a, um, yeah, it's an honor. I'm not going to lie. And and the thing is, because there's no more uh, um, Canada Cup, uh, nobody will will do that in in their in their lifetime. So it's it's a huge honor. And I always look at, yeah, I'm a humble person, and 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 uh, you don't do it without your teammates. And to get the opportunity to be able to do that in in three great um, settings is is. Yeah, I've um, in my office at home. I've got the th- the three jerseys uh, hanging together, and and never forget it. Uh, all three were different experiences, but uh, all amazing in in themselves for for different reasons. Um, you know the the special one, the the famous call, "It is over," is is something that still gives me chills to this day. Um, uh, <laughs> And a funny story about that whole shootout aspect is uh, Koivu in, was one of the shooters in that in that tournament, and I I watched him. I've never cheated on like a breakaway or anything in my life, and I actually cheated to stop him. I watched him the day before. Our our uh, dressing room was was uh, on the practice side of the arena, and I was watching him doing shootouts, and he was going to his backhand every time. And I actually baited him over there and then jumped over to that side and stopped him uh, and stopped him. But um, it's uh, it it was it was a crazy, crazy event. You know, really, that's not cheating. That's good scouting. Yeah. Well, we didn't scout back then. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it it, it uh, yeah, I'll, it, it was just one of those crazy, crazy events that 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 we were able to be part of and. And we didn't have shootouts back then. And to go through that process and um, just crazy things that I remember, I'd come back to, you, you had to, it's different than the NHL shootouts. You had to go back to your bench after every shot. And um, the guys tell me the story later is that the coaching staff like cleared a spot for me. And, you know, you get in that zone and it wasn't until I saw the video of it. There's me sitting by myself with the whole team, scrunched together on the other half of the bench and they're like leave them alone i didn't know about this till afterwards and that's where it's just you're just in that zone and and you find these these stories out afterwards and if you ever see the video of it you see me i'm basically sitting by myself on the bench between shots it's the most crazy and then you you take a shot you skate to your bench your team shoots you got to skate back to the goal it's the dumbest it's the dumbest thing but that's that's what they did so, yeah, it may have been dumb, but it was successful and it worked real well, my friend. Yeah, it worked. It worked. But yeah, it's just uh, some of those crazy stories that you just you don't realize how you're how people think and what they think you need. And 
I don't know. I was just in such a zone. I wouldn't even have known if guys were sitting beside me or not. But the fact that they weren't was kind of weird. I was doing, I was doing the math in my head now. And I think that you've done, you've been a coach in the league now longer than you were actually a goalie in the league working with the LA Kings. And just like you won the the two cups with the Oilers as a player, you've now won two cups as a coach for the Kings in, in 2012 and 2014. So you got four Stanley cup rings. Does that ever make your head spin when you go, wow, there's guys who've never had a taste of this. And I got two as a, as a goalie and two as a coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm forever grateful. Um, there's some great, great people that never got the opportunity and and the 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 fact that i've done it twice as a player twice as a coach is yeah you know i don't do it very often but you pull the rings out of the out of the safe every once in a while and and you look at them and you go it's just uh you know each each ring is iconic in itself there's different traits to each one of them and you, you look at them and you're just like i'm i'm a lucky lucky person and and you know at some point, you know, I'll pass the pass them on to my kid, my two girls, and and they can pass them on to to their kids at some point. And but forever they'll be in our family. Now I've heard rumor about this, so I want to ask you about this. You don't only have the rings to remind you of what you accomplished. Is there some body ache that you want to tell us about? A tattoo? Uh, uh yeah the. The one, the one thing I've I've done is is uh, I did uh, my. You got to tell the story about how you came to doing it too. I can see you going red. You got to tell the audience about how that decision was made. Well, it wasn't really much of a decision. Uh, well, there's 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 two stories. There, it, it's they're uh, crazy. You're you're obviously talking about the L.A. Kings one, but there's actually yes. the first the first um, tattoo that I ever had done was designed by um, my good friend, Jeff McLean, um, that probably a lot of people now know of because of the pride tape that he yep. was the creator of. Um, but I have a Celtic kind of right across my back. And what I, what he designed in it was a Canadian flag. Yep. And the stem of the, the stem of the flag is from, there's basically three X's on my back for, for the number 30. And then, the maple leaf is in in the middle in red, and then the stem of the maple leaf is TC for my two daughters, Tristan and Cassidy. But the story you're talking about is a good bet that I had with my good friend Jamie Compon, that's with uh, a coach with the Florida Panthers. Is we had won the the first cup, and everybody was doing everything tattoo wise and stuff like that. And and I'm I'm the type of person that you know I'm I'm all I'm all when I decide on something I'm all in, but. Uh, we got going in 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 our second cup run, and he's like, "You keep talking about getting another uh, another tattoo, but you never do it." He said, "If we win the cup, you're getting a tattoo the next day." And I'm like, "Ah, whatever, okay, okay, you know." And so, sure enough, um, we win the cup, and he phones our good friend Kim Singh, and I am the next morning. This is crazy. I'm the next morning sitting in a tattoo chip, but. All I knew is that, you know, we, we have a love for Hawaii and um, it's two o'clock in the morning and I am sending what I think of a idea of a design to put on my calf with turtles and we're not in very good shape. My wife and I, Jamie and his wife at the time when we're talking about this, and I think it's 
like one o'clock the next day and I'm sitting in a tattoo chair and I, and I have a beautiful um, tattoo done by Kim where she put uh, a big turtle, uh, which is the daddy turtle. And then two little turtles for my, um, my two girls. And then Ohana, which means family and script. And we, we, the next day it was done and uh, painful it was, but uh it will forever have a, a great story behind it and, and that it's, that's, it, it's on there obviously for a lifetime, <laughs> the rest of my life. But that was a crazy thing that Jamie Compon uh, convinced me to do. And, and uh, I don't hedge on bets. And so I got it done. That is a great story. You are a how great did you story. Find, how did you find out about that story? Dude, it's my job. I've been in the broadcast yeah. for crazy. 40 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you threw, me, job. you threw me on that one. I wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> you know what? I really appreciate You've been so unbelievably gracious with your time. It's so nice to catch up with you. We do a little feature on the show we call Five Fast Facts. I don't want you to think about this too much. I'll ask you five quick questions. And you give me the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay, I'll try. <laughs> All right, here we go. Time now for Five Fast Facts with two-time Stanley Cup champion Billy Ranford. Four-time Stanley Cup champion, if I include the times you did as a coach. Uh, first up, best teammate you ever played with? Uh, Craig Muni. Who was the best coach you ever played for? Oh, Glenn Sather. Who was the, the player you hated playing against the most and why? Mary Lemieux. Long. He could change the puck 12 feet in one second. <laughs> Your favorite NHL city to play in? Oh, probably Montreal because of the history. If you hadn't become an NHL player, what career do you think you would have done instead? School teacher, phys ed teacher. Wow, phys ed teacher. Good for you. So Tried to start at a university, but uh, got called up. <laughs> just between me and you, I think you made the right call. Yeah. My my wife and kids are school teachers, so they're they're they took it over for me. That's awesome, Billy. It's it, I'm so glad that you're doing so well. Still, you look great. You look like you're feeling healthy and happy. Couldn't be happier for you. It was so great to reminisce for the last half hour over some of the great stuff that's happened in your lifetime. Thank you for this. Well, I thank you for having me on. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, you know, it's uh, anytime we can talk hockey, I love it. Two-time Stanley Cup champion as a player, two more as a goaltending coach and a Conn Smythe winner, Billy Ranford. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population who require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go, Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables. 
like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.